Hello, everyone, and welcome to Waiting to be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Trinity, and I'm joined by Will. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of FX Hash. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer visual language, on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens, at our Tez wallet address, WaitingToSign.Tez. And with that, good morning, Will. Good morning, Trinity. How was your night? It was pretty okay. How was your night? Pretty good. You had two nights in a row of New York City extravagance, but I had one for, uh, for myself last night with you. It was a great throwback to the days of living in New York. Yeah, you don't get out that much. Yeah, it's nice. It really drove home the difference in, you know, there's a, there's a lot that we like about Jersey City, but the one thing that, that just doesn't match New York in its actual food. There's a lot of restaurants that are trying to be like what you can get in New York and they just don't ever hit the mark. It's about 75% of the way there. So it was very nice to eat some legit food last night. I mean, 75% is a solid C. We take those, I think. We take those. It's worth, you know, you're paying less. You know, there's other conveniences of living out here. It's all about opportunity cost and what you're willing to trade off. And the proximity, you know, it didn't actually take me that long to get into the city. So yeah. it was cool. For people listening, yes, we did have dinner together yes. at the same time in the city, if that was not abundantly clear. This is follow-up from last week's episode where we were talking about this um, New York City art fair thing that's happening at the Javits, and it's sponsored by or in collaboration with the NYC Armory and a bunch of artists. Not everyone's here in person. It sounds like some of them didn't make the trip, but like... Emily Z is here. You know, Zan Ken came. Rich Poole is doing the live minting thing, but he didn't make the trip from New Zealand. So yeah, been a good opportunity to actually like go out there and, and well, you met up with some more people than I did, but last night, which we should focus on, we actually got to hang out with Zan Ken for a bit, which was really cool to meet him in person. It was a really surreal moment, I would say, because it's somebody that you've been collecting his work for so long, having conversations about his work for so long. And then, you know, I think that's the way that we feel about everything in the NFT space to a certain extent, even though it's like a really tight knit community. It's a very online community. We've met some people here or there, you know, a few times, but that's about it. Everybody else is just kind of a a faceless person on Twitter, on Discord. And to put the face to such a legend is crazy. It's actually just crazy. And it was really nice to, to ch- chat and talk and talk about paints and pigments and and pizza. And pizza. <laughs> you know, you know me. Normally, I uh, resent people who are taller than me, and he was definitely at least an inch taller than me. But you know what? I swallowed that pill. He earned to be it like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we had a really pleasant dinner uh, with some other folks as well who were in attendance and. I mean, I wish we could say that we had like a bunch of alpha coming out of it. We, it wasn't really the focus. It was more just like, let's just hang out, meet, you know, showed him what we were doing with FX text and what we're trying to do to kind of like get more things to the show out there. And he thought all oh, that was really cool. We need more timestamps apparently, but yeah, timestamps that, is the big request. That's, guys, <laughs> I have to figure that's so that out. hard. I have to look at Anchor and see how easy it is to, to do that. I actually never experimented with it. I would actually think that YouTube videos are easier than getting the timestamps. That might be, but anyways, I mean, anything that, what, what do you think? Is there anything that stood out that is worth mentioning on the show or is it just kind of like a nice humble brag by us to say we, we got to go have dinner with him and hang out for a few hours? You know, I think humble brag is great. And a couple of nights, the, the night before I was able to, you know, meet some other people from more of the art blocks world, people from Verseworks. And, you know, that was an absolute pleasure as well, because it's so easy to get caught up in the FX hash space. And so being able to talk to people about things that are not FX hash and maybe more related in like creative coding or generative music space, like plotting stuff, it was just a refresher, you know, because I don't get the chance to talk about this in real life except for to you, Will. And I felt like I was able to listen a lot, learn a lot, and just feel the better for it. So 
all in all, just good times. Apparently, artists want to make more than just Jaren of Art was something that you learned. <laughs> Which is Seems like, obvious. what? Why? Yeah. But no, I totally understand that it's a... Uh, that there's a lot of expectation and a lot of rigor and a lot of just work. And if you're a perfectionist, I mean, getting a generative art series out like long form that you truly, truly love and feel proud of, like might be burdensome, challenging. And, and then you have got folks in the community who just are clamoring to collect it all the time. And that creates a lot of pressure, perceived pressure, all this stuff. And I get it. We'll have to bring that up on our next interview. With yeah. I, I mean, I think it would be great to actually, work those types of questions into some of our interviews. Maybe not the next one we have planned because that one might focus specifically on one project, which that's as much as I'll say about that interview for now until it's actually recorded. But we did do, I guess, speaking of talking to people about art, we did do another interview this week. We recorded with Lamond 2D, the collector, and that interview will be dropping the Wednesday after this episode airs. And that was a really exciting conversation. We love talking to collectors. I think that's a perspective that, you know, we really can get along with. But he's, you know, very similar to, you know, Carpe Diem, very similar to uh, talking to Clown Vamp. You know, we collect, but we don't capital C collect. I feel like Lamont 2D or DD, uh, he is not just a capital C collect. He's just everything is capitalized. All caps collect. Everything is caps. The museum. Yeah, we learned a lot about how he's working on his collection now and got a lot of perspective on like when he's sweeping and he performs these like large buys, like, well, what, what is actually happening there? And there's a little more going on than just, I want 10, you know, he's doing mm -hmm. more than that. And we won't spoil the interview too much because I think people will really, really enjoy it. It was a fun conversation. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. His long view that he's taking on it and his, his, his goals with his collection. I mean, he's very goal driven here, which is, really cool well i guess we kind of started doing the news <laughs> so we did we should, yeah let's we do did. some more news what else do we have trinity well just speaking of zancon right everybody has been talking about zancon season in terms of the fx hash world you know obviously he's put out a couple of uh oh project on object i think he's going to be doing one for every single day of the armory show so i guess thursday friday saturday but the secondary market on FX hash is just gone crazy. Uh, if let's take a look at like the the seven day stats and the top three projects, Bugged Forest, which had the biggest run, Kindergarten Monuments, and then Garden Monoliths. So all told, I'm trying to do some really quick math. Uh, around 150k secondary sales over the last seven days. That's, That's respectable. Lot. That's respectable. It's a lot. Yeah. It seems that people are more and more focusing on collecting into like the blue chips or the perceived blue chip projects. If you look at the last seven days, like there's not very many new projects in that top 10 or 15 or whatever that list is that FX hash keeps. A lot of them are just projects that you're used to seeing in the sales feed all the time. I think the only two projects that broke in to that, that volume that are new were the extracurricular activities, the landlines drop and, the press tube collaboration. I think it's a sign of, I think, more people getting into the space or uh, new wallets starting to go through and collect the quote unquote blue chips a little bit more. Also, sales are still slow. You know, the number 15 project iframes had 1.4K in movement, which is, I mean, a handful of iframes, but not that many. It's like seven iframes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Contrapuntos, like maybe one to two Contrapuntos sold as well. So, I would say the market is still slow, but it feels like maybe it's starting to accelerate because this type of activity is something I would associate with new wallets who are looking to get their solid pieces for the first time. Yeah. Their solaces. The, well, I mean, Takata is still relatively new, of course, but you know, people still want to get their Takatas. Yep. We'll have to see how many of those sales were Matt W. I don't think any of them were. I saw some that went on offer this week. So it's it's starting to come down a little bit in price. Like I, I think one overnight went on offer for 500, um, which is still great if you minted. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what to make of it. It's just one of those things where we've been here before. Markets can be slow. There's still cool new work coming out. It's just not having, it's not getting that same pickup that it, it might have had if there was more positive sentiment in general, I think people are becoming a little less 
ambitious in the way that they are minting and kind of taking like a sit back approach and like, you know what, let me digest that piece and I'll see if I want to pick it up on the secondary later. I don't necessarily need to mint it, which just creates a weird market dynamic, which I guess is, is what we're Are you specifically talking about Takata in that instance, would you say? Well, Takata was one, but then I think there were, there were some projects this week that I don't know that we're going to necessarily talk about them because they didn't do a ton, but they're the type that you might've expected would have popped off and then didn't like the public just didn't bite on it. So that was just surprising to me. And, you know, some projects from artists that generally do mint out and have good secondary action that then just didn't, you know, they minted, but then they didn't have those, like, it wasn't a flipper's paradise like we're used to. I, I think people are noticing the market dynamics more and more. And, and we talked about this over the last weeks, but it does feel like we're in much shorter cycles or micro cycles um, where the games, the rules of the game, quote unquote, are changing a lot faster. Like Takata changed it once, you know, because nobody bought and then it blew up and then people wanted to get back in. And then the second that people started going in for the flips and, you know, we we're just getting 30, 40 plus percent on the market, you know, it just, it just cycled back again immediately. And usually I think we see this over a longer time horizon. Well, yeah. And what is that longer time horizon? I mean, FX hash hasn't even been out for a year yet. So it's like, well, we haven't I'm, even experienced the long, I know I'm just, I'm not criticizing. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, we yeah, yeah. I mean, usually we see like the longer time horizon that I'm talking about is usually over the course of a month or two. Remember when we had our phases? We were trying to do phases. I don't even yeah. know what phase we would be in now. <laughs> I don't know. We're like phase 25. But I think the shifts that we're seeing now are actually just on a week-to-week basis rather than over the course of a longer time frame. People are just adjusting more frequently. We're getting to be more mature traders and more mature buyers. I think that people overall have more discipline. And discipline was something that we preached early on in the show. <laughs> so um, I can say I, I made some undisciplined moves this week, but... That's okay. You know, you have to give yourself those allowances from time to time. And I don't know, anything else you want to talk about or should we move on to donations? Yeah, let's take a crack at donations. Uh, It was a pretty good week, I would say. So yeah, this week, as far as donations, we got an Arc de Square from Pixelwank, an HA3 from Happy Accidents. Well, and that one was especially interesting because... uh, they devoted 25% of the primary sales to us and 25% to arbitrarily deterministic. So thank you also on behalf of Ken. We got a Yashinoki from Auto Eclectus, an Arteus from Obi.tez, a Celestial Objects and 2X Stairwaves from Sarab Demon, and then a hash three points from Dconcept.tez. And hash three points in particular, the donator wrote us a message explaining that this was a generative art project released through Object prior to the launch of FX Hash. So this is an earlier generative art piece on Tezos. I don't know if it's exactly the earliest. I'm not even sure who to, to talk to to check on that, but it was a uh, 1,024 total works stored on chain using P5JS code to render it in the browser. And yeah, that's kind of cool to have a piece like that in our collection that that's not from FX hash, but it's still generative, right? Like in was long form. Yeah, and it was said it's a, on a custom contract too, right? Right. In order to in order to execute it the way they wanted to, I guess using the randomness, they had to write a custom. So yeah, well, I don't know if it was actually released on object, but you can see them on object. So if they wrote a custom contract, I'm not sure if they had a, a website or where you were minting it from. That's so punk rock. Yeah, very very cool to have one of those. And yeah, thank you as always for your donations, everyone. They're they're greatly appreciated. And just in one extra shout out and thanks to Happy Accidents on my behalf as well. I think it's super cool and super rad to donate part of your primary sales to us. It's I love it. Thank you. Uh, you are the bomb.com in my heart. And it was a really cool project too. It, it was did, a really it, cool project. There were a few reserved, I think they just got opened up. And so there's seven still available to mint. You can go check it out and mint them um, if they're still available by the time this episode airs. Yes. So weirdly, I I think we also kind of covered off any topics or trends from this week. It was a you know a big week in terms of meeting Zancan, you know, <laughs> from that from that angle, a pretty big week on the secondary. But you know, in terms of overall trends, I, I think we pretty much summarized it already. 
which is disappointing. Disappointing, slow. I mean, it made it kind of easy for us to get our notes together and hang out a little bit more in Discord and just talk about art in general instead of being super hyped on on drops and feeling that that pressure and anxiety. I actually I do have one thing that we can talk about and I think it segues into the next section pretty well. Sure. And that would be that story of an art fair and somebody winning with Midjourney. Oh, and they didn't they didn't disclose that it was AI art, right? And then they entered a contest. Yeah, so essentially it was the 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 category was digital art. And so obviously people are going to be putting in the stuff that they make in Illustrator and Photoshop and I don't know, MS Paint. That or even code-based, be, right? It could have even been code-based. It could theoretically be code-based as well. You're right. But you know, I assume that most people would be doing more of the traditional digital, digital art um, that they're learning in school and stuff. You know, Somebody did enter something that they made with Midjourney, and obviously they crushed it. <laughs> Because, you know, they just made a full digital painting. Right. AI assisted. And I think that raised a lot of points as to, I guess, the the ethics of that, first of all. And does this need to be a new art category in, in the future? I thought it was really interesting, the conversations it raised. I didn't actually read the whole story. I saw it popping up on Twitter. So I don't know, like, if they want a bunch of money or what kind of the, what the stakes were there. I mean, I guess for us, because we see mid-journey stuff all the time in social media and in Discord, I feel like it's kind of easy to eyeball it at this point. So for the judges or whomever was deciding the winner of those competitions to flub that and not identify it as AI art is kind of a fail, I guess, on, on their part. If they're judging a digital art contest, you'd think they would know some of these tools exist. I think that just shows that we're so early. And I think that the AI art thing, I mean, Dolly has a much bigger following from what I can tell. Maybe they just aren't aware of... All the tools. And... Yeah, it's like the Colorado State Art Fair. Not that there's anything wrong. They've or got the bad. internet in Colorado. It's not... They do have the internet <laughs> yeah. in Colorado. But I, I think it's something that still is percolating through broader society for the most it, part. And so it makes sense that people might not be as aware of it. As a, as a performance, it's kind of interesting, right? Mm -hmm. To enter that piece and because it is digital art it, right. it fully is it's just uh how do we define the creator how do we define like that assistant it's the type of thing that we try to talk to avona about i don't think that we got to a concrete answer <laughs> in a lot of cases right it's kind of all exists on the spectrum but in terms of other ai assisted art we talked about it extensively last week uh, with GPT-3 and, you know, having AI-assisted code, um, whether it's helping you code by, you know, predicting like the next pieces that you're going to write or making a suggestion, or if it's just doing the entire thing itself right, based on the prompts. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's, a, it's a weird line. I tried making some code-based art with GPT-3 over the weekend. It is hard. There's the regular text generator, which you can tell it to like make you code. And then there's another version that you can apply for that's in closed beta, which I applied for. And it in, within two days, they accepted me into it. So I have to go check that out. And that that is a bit of a different thing. It's like code only. So I don't think you have to work your prompts as finely to get it to give you code. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that I intend to play with. Uh, I think I'll take some more leave in the coming months. I'll still be doing the show, but I'll be taking leave from work and I want to like play with that and, and get back to doing some P5 during those, you know, four to six weeks that I'm going to take off. So you may see something from me <laughs> with that. I do want to play with it and see what I can make. And I think just the, the applications for learning more about how other code is made is like super cool. But, you know, I mean, not to make this the GPT-3 show, I think it's just something that is like very top of mind over the last couple of weeks. Totally. And even just experimenting with putting text output. Your tweet, you you made a great tweet. <laughs> oh, the actually. review of Garden Monoliths, which... Yeah, so what was your prompt for that? It was, write me a review of Garden Monoliths by Zankan. And it knew. And I said, make this at least 500 words. Okay. And it, that was it. That's all I put in. I didn't provide any context of who Zankan was, what Garden Monoliths is. 
And then it put out like a very high school-esque like thought piece around like we are the virus type of thing. And Yeah, I mean, I was surprised it was able to – it kind of used some analogy and – found metaphor within the work and the monoliths and like it was very interesting i don't know if it's necessarily right or <laughs> but it was like interesting that it, it came could up be right it would be a take it would yeah. be a take and i'd be like yeah that totally makes sense i 100 percent believe that we are the monoliths and the monoliths are disrupting nature and i also would totally believe that you know it's meant to be experienced in real life even though it's digital art let's let's go to the metaverse and make it happen <laughs> yeah Oh, people are experiencing it in real life right now at the Armory show because he's got some one-of-one plots there that have like hand-painted details on top of them that are being sold. So so some people are going to be lucky enough to experience it in real life. (laughs) Yeah, but they can't touch. I mean, I guess they can touch the leaves, but if you buy them, you can touch them. That's not recommended. What do you think? Should we move on to project discussion? I think there is some fun stuff in here to talk about. Yeah, Segway, AI. You're on a huge AI kick right now. I am. I'm on an AI kick and an AI struggle trying to get this DECA gallery full of these projects that some of which are FX hash, some of which are from Object and, and Versum together and running up against the challenges of actually trying to like use the search function on DECA and get it to load the images properly. <laughs> so there's still some stuff that's not in there because DECA just won't give it to me. But I've been collecting more Mark Maurer stuff, collecting Thomas Noya stuff off of object like he's been putting out some really cool stuff that are, are like one of 10 edition pieces that are not that expensive they're like five tests to get them and they're really cool i grabbed a bunch more pixel filler stuff because that's all like self-contained little ai systems and i don't know i've just been having a lot of fun building a deca that's themed that way kind of like the waiting to be sound deca you know like it has not really necessarily a visual theme although because of how much Mark Maurer and Thomas Noya is in there, there is a bit of a visual like style to it. But I'm just having fun doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it looking through it, it really shows the breadth of like the work that's there. I mean, because it is more of like the really abstract pieces that you have from Mark and Thomas. It has the mid-journey pieces from Tobias and from and Clown Clown Vamp. Vamp. Yeah. Um, and even like the like Leighton Garden, for example, and the the pixel filler, like that is a whole other style because it's stuff that's done like super lower resolution because it needs to fit into an FX Ash project. And I don't know, I, I just think it's really cool to see all the different ways that people are creating and putting out generative art or AI art, I guess. I wish I could have more in there, but I'm also like not trying to break the bank <laughs> on it. So, you know, to, to really fill it out with more FX hash stuff would cost a little too much right now. Like to get more Ivona in there, I could get some more of the, um, Cyril Diagne. Yeah. Some more Cyril stuff. I have one of each of the pieces, you know, I've got the Do you two have pieces a radio gel? there. No, I don't actually know if those are AI. I looking at mm-hmm. the description, I'm not sure that they're made in the same way. So I wasn't, I didn't go looking for them yet, but we'll include it in the show notes, the link to the gallery. It's really fun. And I tweeted it out and got some great um, responses from people. So they look good. I mean, I love the way the Mark Maurer stuff, and the the Thomas Noya stuff looks like in the DECA, like when you can kind of see them bigger and in higher resolution, they look amazing. I mean, I've looked at that gallery and have had some amount of drool coming out. Did you get out. tempted to go and look for any of that stuff? Yeah, I, I have been tempted, but again, you know, going back to the the discipline conversation, it's one of those things where I really want to collect, but I haven't made myself do that yet. I'm just trying to keep Tez on hand, you know, just in the case of needing Tez on hand. So, yeah, that's true. Let's just put more in, but that kind of also defeats the purpose of having U.S. dollars on hand. So <laughs> it's one or the other. Life is so hard. Well, oh my gosh. Well, what was your favorite this week? My favorite from this week was Cacophony Orchestra. It's a collaboration between NT Worm and Ranga Purnama Aji, who is a name we actually see a lot on the project list. I think they release at least one project every week. They do a lot with Hydra. Cacophony Orchestra, which is 100 editions, 5 Tez, still very widely available. Only 33 have been minted. It is a really, really cool and insane piece to me. 
NT Worm put out a really great uh, FX text article as well, kind of explaining the process of creating this both from a audio side and also from a visual side. So from the audio side, it's heavily inspired by uh, Brian Eno's Music for Airports, which also inspired Ana Lucia's Art for Walls and Public Spaces, funnily enough. It's a bunch of different samples and recordings of tones that are different lengths. And then, you know, by pulling those tones together in harmonious ways, and like there are two different loops that can be played, but the loops are going to be generated randomly each time, um, you create like these aural sound baths of sorts where it's like very ambient, very pleasing, and just washes over you. There are also controls where you can turn one of the tracks off, you can put some reverb in there. It's pretty simple. So just the music alone, it's generative. It's really cool. And then, you know, usually I don't like Hydra JS that much. You know, I think it has a very distinct look that, you know, you, you could take it or you can leave it. But the way that it was then integrated with the Hydra is also really awesome because there are different filters that look for the different sounds that are playing. And then it combines the two sounds to create a color gradient that shifts and changes as the music changes. And so it is generative visuals that are responding to your generative audio. And I think it's so rad. It is rad. (laughs) I don't know if you've had a chance to play with it now, but I feel like I've just been screaming about this project for... You you have in Discord, yeah. And I know you in particular were probably thinking of me for the music stuff. And I so I actually got two of these this morning. I minted number 32 and 33. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I looked read the article too. It's it's interesting the connection I don't find them the music itself, at least for the ones that I listen to, to be overly ambient. I mean, they they kind of have more of a. I mean, the, the name of the project is cacophony, right? Which is like not mm-hmm. necessarily a word you would use to describe pleasant music. It's, it's kind of means like noisy and, and loud, I think. Then um, the pieces I listened to had a lot of these like string components to them, mm-hmm. kind of like the sound of a, of an orchestra warming up and tuning. Um, Mm -hmm. all together, not necessarily playing something in unison. But it does create a really nice drone effect. And as it settles in and starts to wind and meander, it is a very interesting thing to listen to. It is the type of thing that I kind of like. (laughs) You know, like like I do like a little bit of noise and aggressiveness in in my music or dissonance. So I really, I did like these from an audio perspective as well. And um, I really want to learn more about the spectrum of generativeness in sound and music, mm-hmm. like when it comes to these projects and what's possible, because we obviously have Takata with pre-recorded elements and this must have had pre-recorded elements that are looped and combined and mixed. But then we have things like what Ramiawa does, which I think are deriving all of the sounds from code itself like code libraries and what they're capable of and i think people are starting to explore that more and more i think maybe i i don't know maybe it is just the shift in a meta of sorts but also attached to this there's a really great other article that goes into the history of generative music and how generative music was created back in the 50s how it was created back in the 60s going more into how you can create some of these sound effects like essentially you can have the same sound and then just changing the speed at which it's played by just slightly. And so it just creates this cool thing over time as the sounds are wrapping against each other. And you see this in Cacophony because they like the sound only, the music only goes for 15 minutes and then you need to restart it. Because like once it gets too far out of sync, it just becomes really dissonant. It'll be interesting to see what people do because there are so many different ways of creating generative music and different ways of training models on what good generative music is as well. I think we're only just scratching the surface of it still. I think we'll, I I hope that we'll see some more interesting stuff in the future. We'll need to get Tobias on to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. Well, that was a great pick and I'm I'm glad you were pressing on it because I, yeah, I finally minted and they're going to go into the gallery for sure. (laughs) They're going to get added. Heck yeah. Well, top five projects is really just top two this week because so much of the volume was taken up by older projects and bigger projects from the past. And we just didn't have that many breakthroughs, to be honest. A lot of projects that were cool that minted but didn't really 
make an enormous splash beyond that. So where, where do you want to start? Should we keep on the, the sound theme? 100%. Why <laughs> ruin a good thing? Yeah. yeah. So Press Tube and Mimo Actin released their collaboration this week. I didn't realize it was going to be an actual FX Hash branded collab. No, I didn't know that either until actually this morning when I was yeah. on Instagram <laughs> after it came out. And I was like, oh, this is being like sent out from the, the main account. Yeah, they released their project called A Strange Loop. It was 333 editions, Dutch auction that went from 333 Tez all the way down to 33 Tez. And looking at their description inspired by the book, Gertel Escher Bach. Did you ever read that? Did I uh, talk you into trying to read it? You did. I think I successfully read three pages and then it sat on my nightstand for another year. So no, technically no, I did not read it. <laughs> it's a challenging book for sure. It's a rewarding book, but it's very challenging. You need to know some logic, like but mathematical logic in the way that they write that mm -hmm. in order to make proofs. And the author, um, Douglas Hofstadter, tries their best to spend basically the first half of the book teaching you <laughs> all the math that you need to understand going through like Gödel's incompleteness theorem. And just then the second half of the book is using everything that you learn in the first half to then get into like his theory of mind and learning. And then there's a, there was a follow-up book called like I am a strange loop, which is more mm -hmm. of the direct inspiration for this. That's really about his theory of the mind and, and how it works, the brain, I guess, which I have not read that one because I could barely get through <laughs> Kurt Lescherbach in the, but anyways, like very interesting, weird uh, influence for this project. And I guess fitting because it is a very weird, interesting project. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to play with it too much, but it does have the gen. I, I, I'm just interesting to see what part of this relates back to Gettel Usher and Bach. Do, like, do you have a sense of what that that inspiration is? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Like, it's. So the, the project itself is just kind of like, you can see the the press tube in here for sure. There's a lot of swirling, mm -hmm. little organic feeling cellular bits just wandering around the canvas. And then there are some more well-defined floating objects in the foreground that alternate being highlighted in some way. And every time they do, they kind of click or pop or make a tone depending on the iteration you got. And they fall in and out of sync and they're forming these rhythmic noise patterns. Maybe there's supposed to be a meditative quality to it and how they, they you know, they fall in, of, in sync and out of sync. And I, I really don't know exactly the, the direct connection you're supposed to make. It has also been quite a while since I've read the book, but I mean, I guess as I should say, it's kind of unsurprising, unfortunately, that it, it went all the way into the bottom tier of the Dutch auction because it is a challenging piece. And it's exactly the type of piece that I think people don't know what to make of. And that's like, you don't know what to make of it. So you don't know that you can flip it. So then it doesn't mint out higher. And we've seen, you know, on the market side that it's, it's doing okay, but there's a lot still for sale. I think people really went in at 33. Yeah. It's almost still half listed and it's come down yeah. and it's seen a ton of secondary sales. So, which is great. I mean, People have come in, like big collectors have come in, and, and artists come in as well. Like like we saw Gambrood come in and grab a few. And to me, it's like a really, really interesting project. There's a lot of novelty here. It's different from a lot of what we've seen. I just, I definitely do intend to get some too, because I think it would be a cool one for the sound gallery. But with mm -hmm. 119 still on the market and the floor hovering just around 40, like I think that there will be opportunity to get some at mint, if not maybe under it in the near future. And... Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. And there's no features or anything here to kind of guide you into collecting around. You know, you kind of had to listen to them and find the ones that have the tones or the shapes that you want. And that's mm -hmm. so you have to kind of put some work into discovery. I think that the the ones that are circular, they have more of like the blippy sound. Mm. Uh, and I think the ones that are up and down have more like the tonality sounds. Yeah, they kind of do like a xylophone thing, like zipping back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't like proved that theory out by listening to more than 10 of them, but you know, that's the overall trend. And it looks like there are some that have shapes that are like I I see one here that doesn't make a shape. It's a little more scattered and random. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's part of like the thesis of the project. It's, uh, there is chaos, there is disorder, but then once you hit play and listen to the sound there, it is an ordered sound that kind of comes above, above the chaos of what you're looking at. So even though things are messy, it actually executes in a, like a sensical way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that it's that the self, self-referential part of I and the, the, the swelling towards a singularity. I, I, I don't know what that means. It's so weird. It's so wild. I, I would love for them to write a FX text piece or a Twitter thread on this to also know, I, I definitely see the press tube in here. I'm not sure what the, um, Mimo Actin like part of it is, is it the sound? Is it the design designing those systems? Like that would, that would be my guess, but I would love to know more about like, also like how do you arrive at this as your project? <laughs> you know, like this is such mm-hmm. a weird, weird piece in general. I, I mean, I really like it. Like I love, this just makes me think of, it kind of feels like a beta, like an early beta FX hash piece in the sense that it's just so untethered to expectations. Looking at uh, Memo Acton from a bio perspective, you know, they have a really strong lean towards uh, machine learning. They're getting mm-hmm. a PhD in expressive human machine interaction, which that's very cool. Also the, the, the description for their previous work to this strata, uh, the description is generated through GPT-3. So I'm wondering if there's AI assistance in oh. any of this as well. Oh man, I totally forgot about strata. That blew up for a minute. Yeah. Like I think the floor was like close to 200 at some point. That was the week that everything looked like marble. Yes. <laughs> I think marble that was meta. When Melissa... It was like the unconscious like desire to make things marbly at the same time. It's crazy. It was when Melissa dropped that um I forget which what was the name of that project of hers that was like, yeah, like just very opulence or something. Opulence, yeah. Oh, so great. Yeah. So weird how things we have these weeks like that that just everyone somehow arrived at the same thing. So yeah, Strange Loop, another really cool, ambitious collab from FX Hash. It's quirky. Well, the other big project we have this week was one that we both literally slept through um, because it dropped in the middle of the night. Classic. Yeah, classic. Very, again, very old school vibes. (laughs) Now that that you can kind of schedule your drops, it feels like that's happening less and less. Right, mm-hmm. like these out of nowhere drops. I definitely was feeling the FOMO on this one, and that is iteration one from extracurricular activities, which is the alternate account for landlines. And this is landlines doing an experiment to explore very, very similar to what um, IpSketch is doing with like the Sketch A, B, C series. Mm-hmm. That this is iteration um, one. There's going to be iteration two and then an unknown number after that. And if you have them all, eventually there will be like a final version that's going to be released on the landlines proper account that you will get to mint for free, I guess, for every set that you own. Is it confirmed for every set? Well, you just make another wallet and airdrop your right. each set it, to a different wallet. I guess you have to, you can interpret this however you want. The, the, the phrasing is the final release will only be made available to those who have collected each iteration using the allow list and will be released for free. So this is 512. So I would assume then that iteration two will be 512 and every subsequent piece will be 512. So that's pretty ambitious. That's a, you're committing to a larger than average run of um, additions. Although I guess landlines usually does in that 500 ish range these days. Like Acromat, even the early projects were all a thousand. Yeah. So this was only five Tez two, which is like, that's so why it was a real school. bummer to miss it. Yeah. And logging in in the morning, seeing in Discord people who were like, yeah, I just minted like 12 of them <laughs> because there was no one awake to mint them. It's just like, oh my God. Because it's actually a really, really cool project. More so than the, the previous project that they released on this account, which was kind of more of like a... You very know, experimental. Like a, very yeah. experimental for landlines, like just a black and white, almost looking like a plotter piece. Oh, it is. It, is a plot, it was a plottable SVG file this is um very much using kind of more of the landlines color palettes and a lot of the construction that we see sometimes in the work of work in progress they post to twitter you know unsurprisingly people you know as they found out about it they started scooping it up 
I guess one, because they liked the work and two, because they're excited about this whole collecting game that's going on. And the floor is now at 32. So from a five test mint, that's pretty nice. <laughs> and that's with a ton of turnover already. Uh, still a ton listed. I'm I'm assuming that some people who picked up maybe at the the lower end, I think they were getting flipped for about 10 right after the mint, which again, totally would have picked one up at 10, but asleep. I'm assuming that some of those folks are listed as well. I think this is another one that I tentatively put on my seven day wait list just to see what happens, but it does feel risky from the perspective that people have been coming in and just sweeping a ton. Yeah. So here's the thing is that we've had 240 sold already. There's 115 listed, but that 115 is basically like 20%. So even though it feels like a, a big number, we're starting to get into that zone where it's like, it's a little scary, you know, like getting under 20% is when floors can really solidify and start to, to move up consistently. And because of that game, right? I think people who are buying them are probably going to be more inclined to hold. Yeah. I think the really big question I have is, is will iteration two be reserved for iteration one holders or is it going to be a free, free for all? Like, I think it's going to be a free for all. Yeah. I don't know. So that could, could make collecting full sets really challenging <laughs> at a certain point. It could, but I think maybe at a, certain point, you know, and we've seen this with the Ipsketch projects is that they, they're falling further in the Dutch auctions. They're getting to have lower floors, you know, because I think as more people miss the mint, so to speak on the, the earlier ones, it, in Ipsketch, it's much harsher as well. Like you have to have, like there are only 50 sketches or something. Yeah. yeah. And so it's harder to meet that criteria, but you know, as people are hoarding more and more, you know, I, I think it just makes it less worthwhile for some of the others. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have iteration one, you know, I'm going to be less inclined to try to like FOMO into iteration two on the secondary. A hundred percent. And that could be like iteration two comes out and then we might see a run on iteration one again. Like if iteration two looks insane mm -hmm. and people are building hype for like, well, if these are just the, the iterations, whatever the final piece is going to be. It's an interesting game. I mean, it, it is like adjacent to what Ipsketch is doing, but it's it's different enough that I think the, we're going to see the experiment play out in a totally different way because Ipsketch funneled, right? Like that sketch A, only 50 people get this and that's going to reserve you for the subsequent ones. And so if you don't have A, you're just like out of the game, right? But this yeah. is a little more flexible because of, assuming they all have 512, which I think you kind of have to assume based on how they're setting it up, it's like... You can move in and out of the game if you want to. You can always yeah. kind of go back and get in. There are only 208 collectors for iteration one, which is a number that's yeah. gone up since yesterday. Yesterday, it was some, somewhere in the, like, I think the 180s. One of the reasons I think that this is going to drop in price a little bit more is the hoarding nature. You know, I think that you only really need one. So if you're one of the, those people who minted 14 of them, at some point, you might feel pressured to sell. Just because it's something that you might need to unload. Some people who have many are, they are listed on at least a couple of them. And yep. so if they're looking to recoup their costs and cover their minting prices, I can see floors dropping a little bit. If you minted 12, you're in for 60 Tez, you can sell two of them in the 30 range, still have 10 and be covered, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so yeah, it would be unsurprising to see some of that behavior especially when you mint that quantity, you might end up getting two that are the same palette or two that have some similar char other char characteristics that you're just like, makes it easier for you to pick which ones to list, right? You're smart. You were waiting. I got really nervous yesterday morning waking up to this and watching the undercutting a little bit and then watching that undercutting get bought up like twice as it approached the mid thirties and the lower thirties getting bought back to 40. And I was like, oh shoot, like it's just going to be it was starting to look thin and I told myself mentally, like, no, like, look at how many there are. Like, you know, people are going to list them. But then I just looked at the, some of the pieces that were on the floor range. And I was like, these look really cool. And so I bought a couple in like that 35 to 40 range <laughs> because I just didn't want to miss the boat. And and now watching it though, I agree. I think that there's certainly the potential to come into the twenties at least. There have been a few sales in the 20s yesterday because, again, I was watching this floor pretty closely. And I, there were some that came down into 26, 29 maybe. Those got scooped up. We've been seeing some some sweeps here and there. Uh, a really good sweep 
uh, while I was walking back from dinner last night and I was got again, as you said, scared. Yeah. I've got my three. I'm debating if I want to get one more or not, but I should probably just wait at this point and see no rush to do it. Like three feels really good and I have a nice diversity of palettes and, and looks to them. So very happy with them. Yeah. This is a really nice project. We've mostly been talking about the mechanics of it, but the colors are insane. Classic landlines colors. The colors are really great. The construction is very, it reminds me a little bit of um, one of the earlier landlines projects. I have to pull up the name, like kind of like aberration sort of. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. But without the aberration is one of the few that like really bucks the trend on the colors and has some more wild palettes. So yeah, it does feel like maybe landlines went back to what they liked about aberration and are trying to rein it in and, and bring a little more order to it. But some of them do look really weird because there's like these, like I don't know, some of them just have this very disorganized construction to them. That really mm-hmm. reminds me of it. Are you talking about the ones that are a little bit more um, like structural in nature rather than circular in nature? The way that the piece like constructs and then cuts and then shuffles itself. I, I'm mm-hmm. kind of just imagining what the process might be like. Some that end up looking very disconnected because they have large circular or arc shaped cuts removed from them. And they almost look like they don't have like a good, they just don't have a substantial form and others that look very ordered. And you can tell like they have really nice arcs removed and they have, you can kind of see the layers to it. So that that's, I guess what I'm speaking to is, the chaotic spectrum in mm-hmm. these. I like the ordered ones too. I like, there's one that I was like thinking of just buying right now that's near the floor that 17 black has listed number 43. And it's just like very nice, clean, some of the nice landlines, greenish and gray tones. And um. I mean, those definitely like when it's next to the ones that are circular, those really stand out a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But I still love like the big swooping arcs so much, probably more in comparison to the ones that have that grid-like structure. Mm-hmm. I got one of those as well, number 370. The the thing that was really cool about this one too, you can't, you have to kind of open it up and see bigger, but mm-hmm. uh, there's also a lot of texture on the paper, uh, on the canvas itself, that landlines worked in here that kind of felt a little bit different from some of their other work thematically. I mean, there's always like a texture component, but this one for whatever reason felt more so it just felt like a a, a detail that I hadn't recognized in their work previously. I mean, other than literally textures, you know what I mean, right? Like it's kind of like, it's like the graininess. It's like the papery background. It's uh, kind of reminiscent of the backdrop on Farb Taylor Mm -hmm. to a certain extent where it's actually a very linear grid structure of dots going down the page. It's not just like we're making a papery texture field by drawing 10,000 random dots. It's very much showing an internal structure. So I think the other project that features this kind of texture is negative space now that I'm looking at it. But in general, I feel like we get a really clean background like from landlines. So I liked seeing that texture a lot. It adds a little more character to the piece. Mm-hmm. We we talked about this one a lot. I mean, it's a really cool drop. It's an artist we like, an artist we talked to Lamond about too. Yeah, for, top for quite of a bit mind. In the interview, and exciting to have this little game to follow along with, and and probably burn a lot of Tez on <laughs> along the way. You know, unless we were, can be awake for a mint, that would be really ideal. Imagine that. I don't yeah. Know. But I also really appreciate just the random drops, um, especially from some of these like old accounts. Yeah. The Ipscaps drops have been like not heavily telegraphed. Lisa Orth's sketchbook also just with minutes of notice for the most part. Yep. And so it really does feel like a more experimental, playful space. It's the whimsy of it. I really appreciate that. That was iteration one. Should we do some shout outs and wrap the episode? Yeah, let's do that. First shout out for sure is going to bring it back to HA3 by Happy Accidents. Again, thank you for your very generous primary sale donation. The other thing we didn't mention before is that it's a pseudonym for another artist. And we don't know who it is, but... Somebody knows who it is. Somebody, Yes, the artist knows who it is. Yeah. Um, So really love that. 
yeah, I had fun trying to guess based on the outputs because they're they're really cool. They're really varied. It's a five hundred edition piece, and just a ton of diversity in here in terms of color, in terms of construction. I mean, all following, you know, you can kind of see the rules they follow, but it's a really, really nice drop. Mm-hmm. Like the ones and, that are really full screen. Yeah. Um, super fun. All of them are, but. I, I quite like this one and I should definitely mint one since there's still seven left because, you know, we get a little bit of a discount on We're it. We're supporting ourselves. <laughs> exactly. <Come on. laughs> yeah, that's a great shout out. Um, congrats to them again. I want to shout out Rami Awad for coming through with two, two, there's actually one drop that just went live like as we're recording, but two interesting drops this week, uh, Blend and Tug of War. Blend in particular is was really cool because there was no audio to it. I think it's maybe the first R- Rami drop without audio. I was like, is this broken? Where are I no, trying that to click to make thing, the sound play? I was like, yeah, where is it? That was the thing that I kind of thought too. And, and, uh, it was only one Tez, 256 editions. There is still something kind of musical and interesting about this drop when you hit run on it and it's um, these different layers of colored elements kind of parallaxing back and forth, right? Like maybe parallaxing is not the right word, but they're all running on their own tracks, kind of moving back and forth against each other. And when you zoom in on, you can actually zoom in quite a bit and like really see the individual elements and I kind of got the feel of like music notes on a like sheet music feeling, especially when mm-hmm. I zoomed in. Um, that's what made me feel like, oh, there is still some like musicality and sound to this. And it also kind of reminded me of Giant Steps as mm. I zo- zoomed in and got um, more detail. Which is also famously based off of music, right? right? Exactly. So this is just a it's just a really weird, cool piece, and I, I just love that. They dropped it for one Tez. People kind of slowly found it. It was it had that very classic like FX hash feel of like, hey, are you guys looking at this? Have you? I'm minting. The, I'm minting the hell out of this thing. This thing is cool. And then it just, you know, it wasn't an instant mint out, but it built up over the Discord virality <laughs> of it. And we've even seen some secondary sales there. And then they had a quick follow up with Tug of War, which um, was right back into music, and, and it also feels mm-hmm. connected a little bit to Blend in the visual elements here that they chose to create the patterns uh, and the visualization of the music. It's like the, so. the grids, the spinning, like just, you, I don't think you can zoom in on that one, no. um, but it still, you, you miss the zoom, but you get the sound. So yeah, it's, it's uh so yeah, I mean, it's great to see, you know, Rami still plugging away. Like they had a few drops in uh, recently or, you know, prior to these that they, kind of, I think, off of the success of Basil mm-hmm. or Basil and how much that one blew up, they started trying, they started creeping up their primary price and then not minting out, you know, which is unfortunate. Like artists have to make these these choices and often, you know, we encourage them to raise their prices when they have high floors in previous work. And for whatever reason, those pieces didn't resonate, you know, no sound pun intended there. But now here, here they are going cheap, cheaper again and, and finding success. I think that the sound projects specifically, it requires a little bit more exploration, insight before people get on to like the train of, oh, actually, this is insane. Yep. And so I, I just feel like people for these types of projects might be less willing to take that initial risk, um, which, you know, sucks for Rami. But when people are willing to go in, into there, you know, they, they mint out and get rewarded. And even if you see that some of these projects like Tug of War and Weave specifically have been burned, it's not a preemptive burn, I don't think. Uh, it's I think he's just getting to the number of additions that are desired. So I think like Tug of War was burned before it even dropped. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that was about, actually. <laughs> I'm not that I noticed that too. I'm not I'm not really sure wh- why. I'd be curious to know what the reasoning was to kind of pre-burn it because you can just, you can mint it however many you want, right? So mm-hmm. um, and maybe there's like a psychological game going on there <laughs> to try to get people to to mint it. I don't know. One of the other shout outs that I want to make is to Woot Scoot, who has been doing, I think, almost daily, well, not daily projects, but releasing a lot of work, both under, I think, Woot Scoot and maybe Woot Scoot Daily. Woot, Woot Scoot Daily, there's an account. So that might actually be a daily account. 
but they have a a project that came out uh, earlier in this week called Minima that actually had a really good secondary run. It has a floor of nine Tez. It's just a bunch of pleasantly colored uh, squares, spheres, hemispheres that are you know kind of attached to each other in a grid-like manner. So it's super fun. Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to shout this out was because every single time I see the name Woot Scoot, I just immediately go to Woot Scoot Riot. <laughs> And I, I don't can't not that, say it. I don't know that our, some of our European listeners are necessarily going to know that reference because that's a very late 90s listening to the radio in America musical reference <laughs> to a, a short-lived trend, sw- like the swing music trend that came back momentarily in the US and somehow made it to top 40 radio. Cherry pop and daddies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I think in the FX text article, you should include a link to that song so that way you can embed it i'm going to embed it (laughs) so that way people know what you're thinking of when you hear the name wood scoot (laughs) wood scoot riot yeah 100 of the time every time i just say wood scoot riot to myself (laughs) and then i chuckle and then people look at me because i'm chuckling at a random thought yeah but anyway putting out a lot of consistent work I, i think having the daily exercises you know it the other side of discipline of putting something out there every day. We should all be inspired by that. We do every week. So, I mean. That's discipline. That is discipline. I would like to shout out another music project, uh, Metarack, by Ferlute. And I guess this is a collaboration with an artist called OOPO, who I don't think has released anything else on the platform. I don't know too much about them. This is a super weird one. You know, Ferlute had a similar-ish project a while ago called Ambient Landscape Synthesizer that has occasionally like blown up on the secondary. Actually, there's only three listed right now in the secondary, and this incorporates like a mountain and stars, and there's a lot of tactile elements to it where you can kind of make these synthetic drones. I had one, and then in a moment of liquidity crisis, sold it, and need, still need to get one for the, the gallery. But this new project that they released is uh, more of a straightforward, just actual synthesizer, a modular synthesizer, and (laughs) just have no idea how to use it, (laughs) which I think is what's kind of holding the project back. It's hyper ambitious. You know, there's all these wires. It looks like what you might see in a mixing room. And I can only imagine how much work it takes to make something like this, wrap it into a form that works for FX hash, meets all the generative requirements, file size, everything. It's still available to mint. It's 30 Tez. I feel like it's just going to be one of these slow burn mints that'll eventually get there as people realize like what it is. For me, I just haven't minted one because I don't know what to do, <laughs> what to do with it. I think it's phenomenal. Like, like I'm so impressed by it. I'm so intrigued, but I don't really know how to justify to myself minting it if I like I clicked around on it I just didn't know what to do there is an accompanying FX text article that says it's the the introduction of key concepts and ideas but there's no how-to guide in it so I mean maybe that's part of the fun is playing around and teaching yourself but yeah I'm with you it's a little bit over my head I need easy mode you know, I mean, I love the ambition to release something like this. And it was really struggling. I mean, it's still not minted out. But for a while there, it was like, oh, it's like maybe they're not even going to get to 20 mints. And it is slowly people are plugging away at it. Like actually the last person to mint it was ciphered <laughs> with number 52 here. So people are finding it. And I think it's going to it'll slowly have its audience. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a piece that people like reference back to in the future. Because like there's got to be something special about this to make a fully working synthesizer in P5. I just can't imagine that it's not like some kind of a technical achievement. I just don't know what that is. <laughs> We're too small brained for it. Way yeah. too small brained. Yeah. Shout out to them for, for the accomplishment here. 100%. Yeah. I think I have one more shout out here and that is Blink Square 2022 by Alut de Kock. You know, this was a project that is a remake of something that they made in Second Life back in 2008, taking 
old ideas, old code and bringing it into like this new medium that we have. Well, not medium, the code is the medium, but into this new platform. I I really like this trend, to be honest, because it is bringing things that you've done in the past and making them accessible to new new audiences and not keeping it trapped in, I guess, second life. But the project itself, it's like never ending, always repeating grid-based squiggles that redraw themselves. And it, it just feels very old school and pure. Like even the way that some of the the randomized squiggles, like they operate with perspective. And so there might be like a chunk that are related to get together, but as they go back one row, they get slightly smaller and slightly smaller and slightly smaller. Mm. And so it's um, abstract depth, I would say. And I think it's it's really cool. You know, for 0.5, Taz, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's minted out now. It kind of has a bingo vibe to it. Yes, and- 100%. <laughs> um, well, this person's Dutch too, so. Yeah, I, I was chatting with them a little bit in price discussion a week or two ago, and I, I was just fascinated to hear a little bit of their backstory, kind of being a professional of code-based stuff in Second Life. I mean, that's kind of a – the whole story of Second Life has occasionally been documented in, in like, YouTube videos or longer-form um, writing on, like, various, like, game journalism sites. But I think it's just, like, so interesting to see the progression – that they were doing stuff back then. A lot of the stuff that they wrote is like still on GitHub and accessible in libraries that get used in projects today. And now here they are in FX hash, like just still, you know, plugging away 20 years later doing creative coding. And it kind of sounds like a really fun thing for an interview in, in the future, to be honest, like mm-hmm. hear that whole arc and what it was like, honestly, trying to sell stuff in Second Life back then. I would love to get some like historical reference articles. Not that 2008 is that long ago. I mean, we knew each other in 2008. Gosh, yeah. we were living together in 2008. Yeah, exactly. Ah, that was a good summer. My last one here to wrap up shout outs is Rooms by Anaglyphic in collaboration with Complex, who also I'm not familiar with, but they have some other work that they have done on the platform. And this is another kind of 3D object that's compatible with the Anniverse I know, I know we've talked about it occasionally, but I guess you think of it kind of like as on cyber, but far more customizable and open. So you can mint these buildings and load them into your anniverse off your wallet and then just place art, like use them to display art, run around. Like in the last week I saw that like there was a huge like Carpe Diem gallery there. I'm not sure if Ed made it or someone else in Carpe Diem or... Uh, how it came up Anaglyphic. or if, yes. Anna, if animated just like because you can you can pull an art that you don't own like nfts so anyone anyone could have made that gallery but i went ahead and minted a few of these because i was like these are kind of cool and maybe again something that i could do over my leave is like finally jumping in and seeing what it's like to put something together in the anniverse it's a a really interesting project to be honest i just need to figure out how to use it <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link to that as well there's still a few open to mint. It's six Tez and it's ambitious. You know, her project is very ambitious. To say the least. To say the least. So what are what are we looking ahead to, Trinity, as we finish up this episode? Well, last week we talked about the collaboration between Melissa Wiederecht and Amber Victoria, which has been confirmed to come out next week on September 15th. Um, but Melissa just also announced a another solo project called Take Wing that will be at an event in Berlin. It will be on FX Hash. Maybe it will be a live mint there. I'm not entirely sure. Or if there will be a split between live minting and then minting via FX Hash. But it's another cool abstract project where it's leveraging some of the the elements and themes from before. I mean, by which I mean circles. (laughs) Orbs. Yeah. Circles are a theme. But then including a lot more abstract elements on top. So, you know, brush strokes, you know, colors in different places. I would love to see more outputs, but it looks thumbs up. I don't see a, a date on the Twitter thread here, but I do see a confirmation that it will be open for minting online. So it's not going to be in-person only, which is which is great. So yeah, that's, that's cool. That's a good one to look forward to. The other thing I have here is that this kind of could have been something we talked about in the news, but FX Hash released a collab database 
it's like a Google Doc, a Google form that you can fill out to then try to pair yourself. So if you're a coder, you can get paired with someone who's a non-coder. And if you're a non-coder, you can get paired with someone who's a coder. And it's, I guess, a way to try to figure out like how to enable more people to get work onto FX hash by working together. So I'm looking at this now. Unfortunately, it's not like open, so you can't see who's getting paired. I'm not sure if we can get any alpha here, but I just think it's really interesting that they created this tool to encourage collaborations in this way, in, in particular, incentivizing non-coding artists to try to make their work generative and compatible. I think that's really rad. I would wish that we were artists or coders. I mean, I guess technically everybody's an artist and so, you are Someone on this podcast has an artist tag in the in Discord, so... <laughs> You know, it's not me. You know, I basically just met the, met the minimum requirements, which is you have to publish something. So it's surprisingly, it's a surprisingly low bar. But yeah, anyway, I, don't, I just think it's cool. I mean, I don't think, I don't expect we'll see anything from this in the near term, right? Like people have to get paired, then they have to work together, get something out. But I'm sure in the few, in the next few months, we'll, we'll see some success stories coming off of this tool as people get paired up. It's just com- continuing to build the community and I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think just one more thing for looking ahead, and I guess this would be the MJ Lindo update. Last week, we had talked about some more close-up foreground plays on some of the uh, elements from Desert Sunrising with, you know, like those really sunset colors um, and desert flowers and everything. And this week, it looks like he's going in a different direction with slightly more abstract, more spirals just completely different take and look all together. So again, not sure if this this is a project that's coming out or if it's just, you know, creative coding exercises and just playfulness and experimentation, but yeah, something that looks a little bit different from what he was showing last week. So put some links in the um in the the article yeah. and the article for that. And then I'm one so one other request for the article for our, our looking ahead. Let's make sure we include some links of what Abstractman's been sharing because it's got to be close to the end of that month off that he took to focus on FX, uh, on generative art in general. We've seen a ton of stuff on his Twitter that looks really cool. And I don't know, fingers crossed that we'll see some of it releasing soon, right? Because I, I feel like it's been a month, hasn't it? In the Clue Crew Discord, he shared that it's the month is pretty much coming to an end and that it's been an amazing month and you know also that he's going to keep on exploring the world of generative art so this this month has been good in terms of um like so he didn't quit as an artist he did not quit <laughs> okay and <good. laughs> is going to continue to grow and expand and see what's out there so the journey cool. has just begun for excellent again really cool stuff on twitter so i think we'll, we'll see some fun stuff soon cool i mean i think that wraps it anything else should we end the episode I think we should end the episode. Later.